Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane here on Monday, February the 28th. In this podcast, we're going to discuss a viewpoint which is published on February the 28th concerning the future of public health in England. This within the context of the UK coalition government's plans to reform the National Health Service. Earlier I spoke to the lead author of the viewpoint, Professor Martin McKee from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. We're very concerned about the way in which public health is going to be reorganized as a consequence of the wider changes in the National Health Service. Uh, people may be familiar with the proposal to transfer uh, much of the uh, commissioning, the purchasing role of the National Health Service to a number of commissioning consortia and uh, the scrapping of the primary care trusts and the strategic health authorities. And that means that there's a need to find somewhere to put the public health function the government is proposing that it will split the public health function into a number of different elements. Some will go into the Department of Health, so those involved will become civil servants, and other elements will go into local government. Uh, there will be other elements that will be in di different parts of the system, perhaps working with the commissioning consortia, but that's not very clear. Critics would say, well, it's just about reorganisation, it's about change, and people are generally resistant to change? Shouldn't we just wait and see what it's like? Or are there more fundamental concerns that you have? There are a number of issues here. First, there is the uh, great uncertainty about what is actually happening. You mentioned the white paper. In fact, there were two white papers, one on the National Health Service and one specifically on public health. But uh, before the consultation had finished on the public health white paper, the draft legislation was put before Parliament. And that is very confusing because there's very little linkage between either of the two white papers papers and the actual legislation. Take, for example, the idea uh, that purchasing will be handed to general practitioners. They're mentioned extensively in the white papers, but barely at all in the legislation. So there is the issue of confusion as to how it will work. And I think at a time whenever the health of the population is coming under unprecedented challenge because of spending cuts and uh, uh, unemployment and so on, it's really important to know where people are moving to and how they will maintain services at a time of such fundamental change. Indeed, isn't the key thrust of your argument this, this issue of independence? Because how would you describe how public policy, health policy is structured in the current NHS, you know, before these proposed changes come along? Is there a degree of independence outside government departments, which is, you believe, essential for health policy to, to flourish? Yes. One of the four issues that we're concerned about is independence. The proposal is that much of the public health capacity, and particularly people who will be working on national issues, will be moving into the Department of Health. And at present, they are working in strategic health authorities and primary care trusts within the National Health Service, where they do have an opportunity to speak out on issues that are, of, um, that are posing a risk to public health. And here we're really looking at the experience of history. Uh, a number of years ago, the United Kingdom faced the problem of um, BSE. And at that time, there was a major breakdown in trust in the messages on health that were being given out by the government. And uh, that was seen in the response to the measles, mumps, rubella vaccination, where uh, the immunization rates fell much more in the United Kingdom than they did in many other countries, simply because there was a, a lack of, the, of trust. We feel very strongly that there has to be a strong independent voice for public health. Now, the government is proposing that it will create a, an organisation called Public Health England, and we are simply arguing that Public Health England should be formed like a strategic health authority within the National Health Service and outside the Department of Health so that you will have the independent voice that will allow people to uh, hear messages that they can trust. 
Otherwise, uh, we, we will have um, major problems in that the, uh, the messages just will be, be disregarded. Because your concern is then if Public Health England remains within a government department, the Department of Health, it is therefore not independent and therefore not free of political pressure that could be put upon it. Yes, and I think we have a very clear example from the lessons of the BSE uh, inquiry uh, where the uh, government was simply not believed at the time. And as I say, that fed through into a number of other areas. It's fed through into uh, policies on tobacco. I mean, for example, uh, the, uh, la- the last government was holding out against a ban on smoking in public places. Despite overwhelming public support for it, it was the public health community working in the primary care trust, the strategic health authorities and elsewhere that we're pushing very hard for that. Also, is there a sense that because the new government, the, uh, the coalition government, is putting forward these white papers and has a plan for public health, which you don't, we, we agree with some of the assumptions, uh, I assume, with the white paper, but it's the structuring issue of, of public health that you've got the main concern with. Is there a lack of um, recognition of the fact that there have been some major public health advances in the past 10, 15 years? Well, I'm not sure that there is a very clear plan for public health because there are still very many questions that are unanswered in the legislation. And that is true equally of the National Health Service changes and, and of public health. But yes, we do. And uh, the uh, government has, um, well, of course, it has criticised the performance of the National Health Service over the last few years, but its criticisms now have been fairly comprehensively discredited. But it's also criticised the public health community for f- failing to achieve more on tackling inequalities. Well, we would argue that, in fact, uh, those criticisms would be more justifiably levelled at the Treasury, which failed to bring about the, uh, the income redistribution that would be required to tackle that. And in contrast, the Public Health Service has really had some fairly substantial achievements. The United Kingdom, or England, was uh, relatively early in moving to a ban on smoking in public places um, compared to countries like Germany and Austria that are still struggling with it. Uh, I think the response of the Health Promotion Agency in a number of uh, emergency situations, not least the, the polonium poisoning, which was a remarkable achievement uh, to, to have detected that, is one that we shouldn't ignore. Uh, some of the uh, advanced some of the uh, introductions of new vaccines have been very uh, successfully handled. So I think public health in the UK over the last decade or so has really done very well compared to how it has performed in a number of other countries. Given that the government have now published their white papers and by the fact the definition of the fact that they're white papers they're not green papers so they're not for consultation are they? These white papers are plans of intent. What do you think you you can do at this stage to influence the way uh, public health is going to be organised within the NHS? Well, in fact, the legislation has been published and is before the um, House of Parliament at the minute. Uh, One of the difficulties we have is that uh, members of Parliament who have the most knowledge of this subject and and the greatest interest, like uh, the Conservative Member of Parliament, Sarah Williston, have been excluded from the Scrutiny Committee, which is a disadvantage. But a number of members of the Health Committee and the Public Accounts Committee have already expressed great concern about the legislation. And these are members from both the Liberal Democrats and the Conservative as well as from the Labour Party. So there's certainly a lot of cross-party concern about all of this. Uh, At the same time, of course, the legislation will then move to the House of Lords, where there will be many peers who have have considerable knowledge of the topic and will be putting the legislation under severe scrutiny. I think more and more as we're seeing the problems of the elements of the legislation that relate to the National Health Service, the confusion that exists there, in fact, 
the arrangements were described by the chair of the Public Accounts Committee as being, and I quote, absolutely bonkers. Uh, I, I think we'll see much more attention to the detail here to try and work out what is happening and to get some system that can actually work. So do you see the publication of this paper as, as a way of, if you like, levering um, some, if you like, some influencing uh, capability whilst the white paper then goes into um, Parliament to go through, you know, to be discussed through, through the two houses before it actually goes on to the statute books? Well, I think in fairness to the, the government, we have to recognise that they've been struggling to find a solution. They decided that they would abolish primary care trusts and strategic health authorities without any real idea of what they would put in their place. So we're hoping that by providing a practical solution that has widespread support, and, and this idea has already been tested quite extensively among uh, many of the key stakeholders, it, it will provide a basis for moving forward. What we're proposing is not radically different from what the government are doing. Clearly, we would not want to be in the situation that we have been put in by the abolition of the uh, primary care trust and the strategic health authorities. But what we, uh, have, what we envisage is something that would be a, a relatively small change from what is being put forward and would have the benefit of um, providing a strong public health capacity uh, and, and certainly making sure that we could respond to the continuing threats to public health in England. As a final thought then, you think the proposals you're putting forward are achievable and therefore you must be relatively optimistic that you've got a chance of making them effective? I think the proposals that we're putting forward are both feasible and achievable. Uh, one hopes that almost regardless of the legislation, uh, the common sense will prevail and those people who have to implement the legislation will find ways of um, adapting it in practice uh, to make it work. That's a rather more optimistic scenario because it's quite clear that the existing legislation is not feasible and will not work. Uh, so yes, we are optimistic that it will eventually get to this. The, the danger, of course, is that there will be massive disruption in the meantime. Indeed, well, we'll be following the story very closely. Professor Martin McKee, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much. Many thanks to Martin McKee, and do look out for the linked comment alongside this viewpoint, which is very supportive of the approach Professor McKee proposes. Well, many thanks for listening. See you next time.